0: Journey to Pascha, Holy Week 2020, brought to you by the Greek Orthodox Christian Society of the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of Australia. On this Holy and Great Tuesday, we remember two parables related to the Second Coming. The Parable of the Ten Virgins and the Parable of the Talents. Both are related to the Second Coming. On this day, Holy Tuesday, we are called, like the five wise virgins, to be watchful and alert and to focus our attention And affection upon the Lord. On this day, Holy Tuesday, we are called to take oil in the vessels of our heart, that is, to seek the grace of the Holy Spirit, and through good works to help our neighbour by every means, so that we too may also be able to enter into the heavenly bridal chamber with the bridegroom. On this day, Holy Tuesday, we reflect on the beautiful and inspiring hymn of Gasiani. This is The Journey to Pascha. Holy Tuesday, the parable of the ten virgins.
1: On Holy Tuesday, we are reminded of the importance of remaining watchful. This is illustrated in the parable of the ten virgins. The parable is straightforward enough. Ten virgins wait for the bridegroom, who is Christ. Five are prepared for his arrival, five are not. When the bridegroom appears suddenly in the dead of the night, only the five wise, prepared virgins are allowed into the wedding feast. The five foolish virgins are shut out. The parallel to the last judgment is clear and this is reinforced by one of the main hymns of these first three days of Holy Week. Behold, the bridegroom comes in the middle of the night and blessed is that servant whom he shall find watching and again unworthy is he whom he shall find heedless. Beware therefore, O my soul, lest you be overcome with sleep, lest you be given up to death and be shut out from the kingdom. But rouse yourself and cry, Holy, holy, holy are you, O God, through the Theotokos have mercy on us. The hymn, just like the parable, has as its central theme the importance of being prepared because Christ can return at any time. The Fathers of the Church have given numerous commentaries on this most important parable, all drawing upon the symbolism of the oil, which kept alight the oil lamps of the five wise maidens as they waited for the Bridegroom. St John Chrysostom and St Gregory the Great both emphasise the good works and charitable deeds performed by a Christian, as being the oil that fuels the light of the lantern. St. John Chrysostom, this parable admonishes us to remain diligent in almsgiving. It counsels us to help our neighbour by every means available to us, since it is impossible to be saved in any other way. St. Gregory the Great writes, As it is written, The day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night, then the virgins shall awake, because both good and wicked are roused from the sleep of death. They shall trim their lamps, that is, they shall count the number of their good works for which they hope to receive the reward of eternal happiness. However, the lamps of the foolish virgin shall fail. This is because their works, seen so clearly by men, shall wane and vanish at the coming of the judge. Saint Serafim of Sarov, further elaborates by explaining that good works are not enough without the grace of the Holy Spirit, which is the true oil lighting the lamp of the wise maidens and extinguishing the flame of the foolish ones. He explains, What they were lacking was the grace of the all-Holy Spirit of God. These virgins practiced the virtues, but in their spiritual ignorance they supposed that the Christian life consisted merely in doing good works. By doing a good deed, they thought they were doing the work of God, but they cared little whether they acquired thereby the grace of God's Spirit. Saint Macarius the Great extends this point further. The five wise virgins, watchful and alert, had taken oil in the vessels of their heart. That oil not part of their own nature, means the grace of the Holy Spirit. They were enabled to enter with the bridegroom into the heavenly bridal chamber. The other five virgins, however, were content with their own nature. They neither watched nor busied themselves to receive the oil of gladness in their vessels while they were yet in the flesh. Instead, they sank into sleep through carelessness, idleness or even their own fancied righteousness. From the parable of the ten virgins it follows quite clearly that only a person's earthly life in God will serve as his justification at the final judgment seat of Christ. We are implored to be alert and not let this time on earth pass us by to waste our lives in a spiritual sleep-like state. In our time more than ever, we need to remember this warning, for today there are especially many who slumber and sleep. Spiritual sleep is not like physical sleep, which strengthens the organism. To the contrary, this is an unhealthy sleep, a sick lethargy, in which people pursue vanity while thinking they are living a real life, forgetting about the soul, about the future eternal life. This parable teaches us that, accepting faith, we must accompany it with good deeds which support our spiritual life and draw the grace of the Holy Spirit. The foolish virgins, going out to meet the bridegroom, did not prepare the oil of good deeds for their lamps. The wise stored up good deeds which drew God's grace and went out with their lamps in order to meet the bridegroom worthily. So too, our life must be a preparation for meeting the Lord, working towards the acquisition of living faith and burning love of God and love of one's neighbours. Today Christ is asking us, Is your lamp lit? Is it shining with light? Often the concerns of everyday living obscure the essential concern and ultimate aim of our life, which is the illumination of the soul, With the light of Christ, its salvation and preparation for the earthly kingdom. Let us be alert in our spiritual life and prepared so as to enter the heavenly bridal chamber with the wise virgins and be found worthy by the Lord of eternal good things.
0: Holy Tuesday. The Hymn of
1: Cassiani.
2: The Hymn of Cassiani refers to the famous hymn of the Matins of Holy Wednesday chanted on the evening of Holy Tuesday night. Cassiani, of course, refers to Saint Cassiani the hymnographer, a 9th century nun who was born and lived most of her life in Constantinople. During her life, she also distinguished herself as a defender of orthodoxy, having been persecuted during the iconoclast struggle. She wrote other hymns, such as the glory hymn of Vespers of Christmas Day, and also much of the canon of Holy Saturday. However, she's preeminently known for the beautiful and inspiring hymn which takes her name, chanted on Great and Holy Tuesday evening. Before giving a brief description, It would be worthwhile to read out the actual hymn. Lord, the woman who had fallen into many sins, perceiving your divinity, took up the role of myrrh-bearer, and with lamentation brings sweet myrrh to you before your burial. Alas, she says, for night is for me a frenzy of lust, A dark and moonless love of sin, accept the fountains of my tears, you who from the clouds draw out the water of the sea, bow yourself down to the groanings of my heart, you who bowed the heavens by your ineffable self-emptying. I shall kiss your immaculate feet and wipe them again with the locks of my hair. Those feet whose sound Eve heard at dusk in paradise and hid herself in fear. Who can search out the multitude of my sins and the depths of your judgments, my Saviour, Saviour of souls? Do not despise me, your servant, for you have mercy without measure. The sinful woman, of course, refers to the passage from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verses 36-50, to where Jesus is invited to dine in the house of Simon the Pharisee. The woman, who did not have a good reputation in the area, entered the house of Simon the Pharisee and waited behind Jesus, kneeling and weeping, the tears falling on his feet. She wipes them away with her hair, kisses his feet, and anoints them with myrrh. It has been said that if we were to somehow lose all of the scriptures of our church, including the New Testament, but were only left with the parable of the prodigal son, that would be enough for us to understand the core of what our faith is about. In a similar sense, We could also say that if we were to lose the great bulk of the hymns chanted in our church, but were left with this particular hymn, it would be enough for us to understand what the basis of repentance is, how we approach repentance, who our Saviour and Lord is and in what manner we are called to approach Him. In a sense, this hymn is quite unique because it not only addresses the subject of sin and repentance from sin, but it also contains the basis of our theology on who Jesus Christ is. The sinful woman is able to perceive Christ's divinity, and this is exactly the same person. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, the Word of God, whose footsteps Eve heard in Paradise after having disobeyed God. In its poetic ability to focus on a very personal interaction described in the Gospels, but yet to draw out the immeasurable immensity of God's omnipotence, of God's love, and of his mercy, but especially of his self-emptying humility, this hymn has few parallels. We understand the omnipotence of God when the hymn refers to the one who from the clouds draws out the water of the sea. We too can only bow our hearts and heads in utter gratitude at the humility of our Lord who bowed the heavens by his ineffable self-emptying. What else But the uncontainable and ceaseless forgiving love of our Lord could be described in the phrase Who can search out the multitude of my sins and the depths of your judgments? It is here that we understand in the innermost depths of our heart that no matter how great our sins are or how numerous they might be the forgiveness our Lord shows to us cannot be measured. How are we to approach repentance? How should we repent? Firstly, just as this woman did, we admit responsibility for our sins and especially for our inability to control our passions. The personal sincerity, the emotion... The passionate and unconditional manner in which she admits sorrow for her sins within the hymn has no parallel in the hymns of Great Lent and one could say in the general hymnology of our Church. Secondly, we appreciate and observe the ideal approach that the Fathers of the Church taught to us in showing repentance through tears, real tears but not tears of despair or tears of desperation but tears to acknowledge both our shame in having allowed our sins to distance us from God but also tears of gratitude and thanks that the Lord not only accepts us back into his house, but places a ring on our finger, clothes us with a new robe, places new shoes on our feet, and leads us to a feast to celebrate a return to his embrace. Our own humility as we bow down and ask for God's mercy can never match the ultimate humility Christ showed in his passions and crucifixion, which serve as the one pole of climax of Holy Week. But in showing remorse, tears, and humility for our sins, we too are granted the high privilege of being murderers to Christ. And what were those murderers? who left before the crack of dawn on the third day after Christ's crucifixion, what were they blessed to witness? The salvific resurrection of our Lord. The ultimate victory over the most tragic consequence of sin, death. Here at last is revealed the unfathomable depth and width of God's mercy towards us. The hymn in Greek begins with the word Kyrie, which is Greek for Lord. And it ends with the word Eleos, which in Greek means mercy. So if we were to condense this hymn we would look at that most frequent and most pronounced prayer of Orthodox Christianity, Kyrie Lord have mercy. Behind those two words and taking inspiration from these two words, the hymn of St Kassiani expands on that theme and opens up whole vistas of God's love, God's mercy, God's humility and our approach to that.
0: I pray that this edition of The Journey to Pascha helps you to accompany the Lord to His Passion and His Resurrection this Holy Week. For more spiritually edifying material, subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or visit lychnos.org at lychnos.org, where you can find more Orthodox articles, talks, and podcasts to help you on the journey to your own personal resurrection this Pascha.